Good morning. This is Richard Shu, host of Shu Untied. Today, I'm very pleased and honored to have with me as my guest, Dr. Rodney Perkins, who's an entre- serial entrepreneur, investor, venture capitalist, founder of numerous, numerous companies, inventor of numerous patents. Dr. Perkins, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. So, uh, Rodney, tell me, tell me, first of all, obviously, you're a medical doctor, you're a surgeon, that's your main profession. Tell me a little bit how you even, you know, why you went to medical school and why you wanted to become a doctor in the first place. Well, that sort of came on over a series of years, but very early on, I uh, very quickly tell you the story. I uh, ordered an alligator from Florida as a kid in the Midwest uh, when I was probably uh, seven or eight years old. And uh, the alligator arrived dead in a box from Florida. Uh, I wrote them an earnest letter saying, the poor thing has arrived dead. Could you send me another? They did, and finally I got a live alligator after about three, and then it died. And I thought, why is it an allig- Why does an alligator not want to live in Indiana? <laughs> and uh, I went out back, and I thought, what's inside the alligator? And I had a knife, and I opened it up, and I looked at things, so hmm. you could see the, you know, the lungs and the intestines and everything. And I was sort of fascinated by that at that point. And I had no idea about medicine or anything else. And then at a later time, uh, my interest coalesced around that. Um, I, I love doing things with my hands, carving uh, things, hmm. uh, model airplanes, etc. Hmm. And I uh, took an aptitude test in high school that suggested I might be good as a, an oral surgeon, thinking, you know, drilling teeth and mm. shaping things, and and uh, yet this this medical interest. Uh, but then I decided I, I really wanted to go into medicine and specifically into surgery. Hmm. Now, maybe this is a side question, but why on earth was a seven or eight-year-old kid interested in having an alligator? Because I read comic books, <laughs> which were big in the era. And uh, in the back of most comic books, uh, there were ads of some sort. And uh, frequently in there, I would see an ad for an alligator for $3 or something, and I saved my money and sent off for the alligator in Florida and eagerly anticipated the mail (laughs) coming and my alligator. Your parents wonder why you were ordering alligators? (laughs) Well, an alligator was a very exotic thing for a uh, kid in Indiana. Yeah, but... So you then you became a surgeon. Tell me a little about how then you went from becoming a surgeon to an entrepreneur and a business person and starting companies. Because, I mean, you know, that's not what people normally go to medical school for. I'm sure you didn't go to medical school to become an entrepreneur. You went there to become a surgeon. Tell me about how that happened. Well, I think uh, probably two things. One, I, in being a surgeon, uh, you learn to do the procedures that previous people have done. And you'd look and say, well, if we could do it some other way, uh, we could do X or Y. We could improve this. So it started out uh, my uh, making or designing instruments to do a new kind of operation that I wanted to do, that you didn't have the right instrument to do it. And uh, so that was kind of the start of it. Also, I'd had the experience of creating a medical device in 
medical school. I was a um, student assistant in the cardiovascular surgery research lab at Indiana uh, at medical school, and my job was to um, prepare the dogs for dog surgery and assist the residents in the you know, open heart surgery they were doing in the, uh, uh, in the lab. And part of my job was to um, uh, chill the animals down in a bath of ice water, which was done back then on all, all uh, uh, heart cases. It was a messy procedure, cold, uh, etc. And at the same time, there was a disc oxygenator that oxygenated the blood. And on that disc, that disc uh, was a series of discs on an axle that was encased in a glass cylinder and the lower portion blood flowed through. It was picked up on the surface of the turning discs and, and the oxygen atmosphere was in the other the top half of the horizontal cylinder. And that oxygenated the blood. And I thought, that's a lot of surface area. Maybe we could use that to change the temperature at the same time. Hmm. So I designed an axle for that that would put in cool and warm fluid and you can control the temperature. Hmm and found that I could change the temperature to whatever I wanted in about four minutes. Hmm. And that, uh, that won a national AMA research prize. Um, hmm. And that sort of did get me into the understanding that you can create a device. I see. And it's sort of hmm. this combination of things that, I, that went on as, as I got into surgery. Mm -hmm. Started with instruments, and then maybe a little kit to do something, and then it was a, a company to develop mm. such a thing because you couldn't do it just on your own. So, what was actually what was your first invention that actually became a company or a real business? Well, it was probably uh, well. The first one was a very small thing. Was a, um, a an adapter for a laser to put a laser into the uh, microscopic operative field the, uh, to do that. And I did that uh, with a company called Spectrophysics. Hmm. Um, and that was just a small thing. They had an option to buy it out at a certain point. They did. It wasn't a, a, a big event or mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. that was kind of the first one, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. And and then there there have been others. Mm -hmm. Well, tell me a little about that transition from being come. At what point did you stop? You know, becoming a full time surgeon and really a full time entrepreneur and you know investor and you know company builder. Would you say? Well, I uh, I did not stop doing surgery until uh, uh, probably about two oh four because I, I I loved doing surgery. It hmm. was. Uh, it was exciting. It uh, it was like playing the piano. Can, can you play that same tune a little better this time? Mm -hmm. And how do you bring all the things to bear to make successful surgery? Successful surgery is not just the uh, eye motor control and the uh, the skill, the manual skill set of the, of the surgeon. It's also making sure you have all around you the support systems you need, the, the right instruments, mm, uh, mm. training the, uh, your, mm. your nurses mm. and the personnel, mm. preparing the patient, uh, both you know, for, for the physical surgery but also psychologically for it. And all these things go together to make a successful surgical outcome. Right. 
Um, and so the whole thing I enjoyed very much. And uh, until um, I finally decided to, as a Faustian, how many lives can you live in one body? <laughs> uh, I decided at that point, rather than do a few thousand more operations, maybe just to focus full time mm. on mm. Um, mm. on mm. developing new ideas, uh, mentoring people, uh, and uh, uh, spend uh, the rest of the time on that. So when you look back at your career and all the companies you started, what are some of the, you think, the most important lessons you've learned about being an entrepreneur, or being an inventor, or company builder, what would you say? Well, I think the one of the most important things is to get the the right people around you once you have the idea developed enough that you have confidence in it. And I think to be successful at the at this, you the number one thing is to have passion about what you're doing. Mm. I think the entrepreneur, and this is true for anyone you bring on the team, is you want them to have a certain skill set in their special field. If you're an engineer or whatever you are, you, there's a certain bar of understanding and intelligence. But the, the most important thing beyond that is the passion that the, that the individual has for doing the project and being successful at it. Mm -hmm. And... I think that's uh, a very important thing is to bring in people that see the vision that you see that can be done out of this yeah. idea or this prototype or system or whatever it is and that are willing to, to work toward that end. Mm -hmm. And a small team of A players uh, can compete against a very large global organization because they can move quickly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They, they would not have the distribution or anything <laughs> if you're looking at it from a business sense. But they can move very quickly and uh, they can change course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's almost like the, the entrepreneur and the, and the band with the entrepreneur is like the cavalry and, and the, the, the globals are more like the infantry. Mm -hmm. Now, when you obviously you come up with a lot of different ideas, you've invented, you know, been inventor of numerous, numerous patents. How do you know what's the good ideas and the bad ideas? Because obviously, not every idea is a great idea. Obviously, and how do you kind of how do you figure that out? Well, you don't always know, but you have a sense that this is a good idea, particularly if it's in a field you know mm. uh, that you know something about. You don't have to have a lot of consultants to say yes, that's a good idea or not. So that's an advantage. Uh, I would have a much better advantage, let's say, being an ear surgeon in something in the ear mm -hmm. than I would somewhere else. However, as a surgeon, uh, it's not too difficult to extrapolate from your surgical training and everything to another field of what can go wrong, what would be good. Uh, there's a disease process, you, you understand that. How do you get to it? What can you do safely once you get to it mm -hmm, as a mm -hmm. medical device developer? Mm -hmm. uh, what advantage will that be to the outcome of the patient? What advantage is it to the doctor, mm -hmm. the surgeon or the doctor? What is it advantage would it be to the healthcare system and the hospital? Mm -hmm. And these are all stakeholders in, in the, the whole panorama of what you're doing. So the more you have an understanding of, of what all 
players want, uh, including the number one thing is the patient outcome. You have to have that. Uh, the better the better you are able to assess an idea that does it have the probability or the cap capability and the probability mm -hmm. of being a successful contribution mm -hmm. uh, to healthcare. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look back on your sort of you know legendary historic you know career, your profession, looking at all the companies you started, what what are sort of like the two or three real highlights that kind of stand out? Are there are there just a couple things that kind of, you know really you know either you know, stuff that you've accomplished or things that you've done that you really feel like were, you know, you know, really stand out? Well, I think that if, if I look back on things, the ones that I probably had the most influence on that, uh, that I, I, I like to think of being a surgeon, that being an entrepreneurial surgeon uh, is, is maybe... Uh, one of the best ways to extrapolate to a to implement better health care uh, when when I first got started you were criticized for developing a company oh mm. you, you're you're a doctor you're a surgeon uh, you can do research and publish that's okay but don't create a you're creating a product mm -hmm. and my and there's and there's going to be a company mm. it was almost looked upon as um, a little it was certainly crass, if not unethical, to mm. do that. Mm. For doctors do For that. doctors, and this was decades ago. Mm. Of course, now, you know, people are wanting their courses on how to do it. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's come 180 degrees. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but the, the ability of, uh, of, of a doc, because of their medical knowledge, let's call it their medical equity, how do you leverage that medical equity you can, as a doc, you can treat patients one-to-one, -one, laudable, very pleasant, wonderful contribution. Uh, you can, in academia, you can train others to replicate it and go out and do things. Uh, you can also uh, supervise a number of providers under you and, and amplify your equity. Mm -hmm. But the ultimate thing is, is if you can create a solution to a widespread problem that affects millions of people and successfully do that, you treat hundreds of thousands or millions of patients you will never see. Mm -hmm. Now, an example would be Jonas Salk and the polio vaccine. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as How many people don't have polio that would have had? Uh, mm -hmm. Millions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so most of us don't have that much medical equity, mm -hmm. but we can all in our own sphere amplify our effect. And uh, I, I think of it as treating millions of patients you'll never see. If you go back to your earlier question on that, I, I, I think that certainly at Resound, uh, which was a hearing device company, uh, we were the first to introduce high-tech signal processing into the hearing aid industry. And that was, that was a kind of a changer of things at that time. And I think that has treated many many, many people, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, at LaserScope, we introduced uh, um, uh, new surgical lasers. Uh, that was the first uh, laser. Uh, the uh, green light laser was the first one designed as a surgical laser. Mm -hmm. The rest of them have been industrial lasers that people wanted to find a medical use for. Mm -hmm. um, and um, 
then I think uh, uh, pulmonics uh, is one that uh, is treating emphysema, which had no really good treatment for it. I think that's been beneficial to, to many, many people. I think, we, I don't know now, I think we've done 40,000 mm. patients or something mm. like that mm. on that one. Mm. Uh, and uh, now I think that Earlands, uh, which is a essentially a kind of a contact lens for your eardrum that doubles the frequency range of any hearing device, I think that can make a great contribution too. Mm -hmm. It's much more complex than the others. And then uh, I do think also uh, our current company uh, is a, in the one current company is in the prostate area called Procep. Mm -hmm. And this is a biorobotic uh, removal of the prostate for benign prostatic hyper, uh, hyperplasia, which is a uh, uh, condition affecting millions of men. Mm -hmm. And this uh, removes as much prostate as you want in about three or four minutes. Wow. And I think this is uh, a new type of medical surgical device. It's not one where you create something ancillary for the surgeon to put in their hand and do the job better. The device actually does the procedure mm. once the mm -hmm. surgeon has set up all the parameters. Mm. And I think that's a, a very exciting thing. And... Uh, will uh, have ramifications, uh, our first application of the technologies in urology. Right. Well, that does sound exciting. Well, tell me a little bit about in all the various stages of, of building company from, you know, kind of forming the idea, figuring out what the product is, and, you know, maybe figuring out the market. What's the part that you kind of enjoy the most? Is it really just, you know, coming up with the invention, or is it kind of, you know, working with the team to build it into a company? What, what's the part that excites you the most of all the various stages? in building a successful company? Well, I tend to like the earlier stage a little more. Uh, not, I think all stages are exciting. And uh, developing a company, a company is in many ways like a person. They, they, they have their stages of life. They, they have birth, uh, they have infancy, mm -hmm. uh, teenage, uh, <laughs> the various stages of adulthood. And uh, all of them are, are interesting. They, they also require different skill sets at different times. Right. Uh, the, the early stage, the inventive stage, and the uh, innovation stage, let's call it, uh, and the, uh, the creation of the proof of the concept is very exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, then there's the uh, real hard work of making it a reality, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, a, a product that works, that doesn't fail, uh, uh, is exciting. Uh, and I think that stage up until 50 employees maybe mm -hmm. is probably the most exciting stage f for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, then the commercialization stage requires many times a different skill set mm -hmm. uh, to take that part of the rocket off. Uh, the entrepreneur's role uh, is much, I always thought, like a, a sheepdog. Uh, you have the sheep, and we've all seen these uh, video scenes of the sheep, and the one squirts out of the thing, and the sheepdog gets it back in the pack. Mm -hmm. And that's usually trying to get all the sheep through the gate at the same time into the night pen or whatever it is, right? I think the entrepreneur's role is very similar to that. Uh, the sheep is herd, the sheepdog is herding sheep. Mm -hmm. The role of the entrepreneur is to herd resources 
toward a central vision. Mm. And that central vision uh, is the concept uh, that you have mm. or what you want to see done. Mm -hmm. And you have different elements that you have to bring together at the right time in order to create the new entity. Mm. Uh, you need technical talent, you need legal talent, uh, you, you may need a manager, mm. uh, you, you need uh, uh, some uh, patents of some sort, mm -hmm. uh, and for the fuel of the entrepreneur, you need money. Mm -hmm. So think of these elements as three-dimensional, in four-dimensional space as magnetic bodies floating out in this ether. And the role of the entrepreneur is to nudge them together because as they get closer together, they attract. Mm. And the person putting the financing in has an objective usually of getting some return. And sometimes they like the idea and they'll put the money in. Uh, the engineer is, uh, loves the thrill of creating a successful uh, engineering entity right, uh, product. Right, right. Uh, somebody else uh, loves the idea of doing um, the legal work for mm -hmm, it or mm -hmm. writing a tight patent mm -hmm, or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and you nudge these these entities together and try to do it at the same time. If you get one too far ahead of the other, they arrive at the gate <laughs> and there's nobody else there. <laughs> so the, the thing doesn't go together. So as you nudge them closer together, delaying some just a little bit, moving others ahead more rapidly, that at, at the same time they see what their interest in the vision is, mm. that it can go together. Mm. And then uh, you've, uh, I like to think of as you've created a critical mass and now you have a new entity. Mm. And uh, then the role of the entrepreneur changes a little, a little bit at that point. Uh, because the organization changes. Now there's new factors, but you have to continue to herd resources toward those new objectives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I think that's uh, that's kind of the main role of the entrepreneur. Mm. And, and I think that's true where it's medical devices or it's uh, high tech or, or sure. uh, biotech or whatever. Yeah. Now, when you look back at your career, obviously you've done, you've pretty much done everything I can think of, but is there anything else in particular that you, you know, still there's something different that you want to accomplish, you know, perhaps is writing a book. I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else or do you do you just enjoy what you're doing and you just want to keep working with companies that that you invent or start? Well, I think uh I like continuing to work with the companies uh and not not have a a full-time role in it, but uh, a full-time role, but maybe not every hour of the day. <laughs> uh I like that. The other thing that uh, I've thought about, or people, some people have encouraged me, is is to uh, write a book on how you do this mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. your experience in it and everything. Uh, I think that uh, uh, there's just not enough time, mm -hmm. and uh, that would be interesting. Um, I think you can tra translate as much of that as you can to other people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you have your uh, mentees, mm -hmm. and you you try to incorporate this this knowledge in somebody else that can go ahead and carry carry it on. Mm -hmm. Well, Rodney, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. I'd love to check in with you a little bit later and see how some of these companies are doing and other ideas that you've uh, worked on. Good to talk with you, Richard. This is Richard Chu and Rodney Perkins. Thanks.